Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's look at the Word of God. In Isaiah 6, 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Do You See the Lord. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for each person who's here today. God, I thank you for unity in the body of Christ, and I pray that you would unify our hearts as one body, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. God, I pray now that you would anoint me to say the things that would honor you, and that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage is so filled with so much stuff. I don't have time to get into all of it today. I never have time to exhaust any passage I read, but I want you to take the things that you hear in church, use them as a basis for your study. Get into the book of Isaiah this month. God's going to bless you. In verse 1, the Bible says, now this is Isaiah talking, and he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Before I get into the teaching, I want to go ahead and, and put this out there because I know there are some people in the room that this is true of. There are some people in the room in this building right now who really desire to see God in a greater way. People who want to see a greater manifestation of God, that want to step into a higher elevation of God, that want to be brought into a greater revelation of God, but there are also people who just don't give a flip. Oh, I wish, I wish we just had enough honesty in the room. See, because he, here is, here's what Moses said. He said, who's on the Lord's side? And he said, everybody's on the Lord's side. Get up. We did this one, one uh, week at uh, Word of Faith Church before the Potter's House was the Potter's House. We were on Seaboard Avenue, and, and, and Bishop was trying to transition and, and move to a new facility. And there was resistance, and people were mad. And, uh, and, and so he just said, everybody on the Lord's side, get on that wall. And everybody that don't agree with it, get on that wall. And I was stunned 
Because you know if the pastor says, if you're on the Lord's side, get on that wall. But what he was meaning is everybody who supports what his decision was, get on that wall. I was stunned because there were people that got on that wall. And I'm thinking, oh, they didn't read that passage of Scripture. The, the whole earth's about to open up and swallow these people. They were the I don't give a flip crowd. They were the bump you crowd. They, they were the you can't make me crowd. And, and, and here's what's wild. Every week, the I don't give a flip crowd shows up. The bump you crowd shows up. The, if I put everybody who's leaning on the Lord's side to get on this side, and I said everybody else get on that side, uh, well, I don't know. I, I wish I had my don't give a flip o meter today. I put it on Vicky's neck, just start and, 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 and just see and, and, and move it around. I wonder when I got to you, uh, do you have a give a, give a flip today? Uh, there are people in the room that truly want to be everything that God wants them to be, that believe in this God I talk about from the Bible. And, and, and I want you to, uh, whether you're in that crowd or not, I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning because what we all need is to see God clearly. To see God clearly. And, and I love what Chuck Swindoll said about anyone who has a mental image or a mental picture of God. Hear me. It's wrong. It's not good enough. You can't think good enough about God. You think God's a Democrat? God's bigger than a Democrat. You think God's a Republican? God's bigger than a Republican. You think God's white? God, I told you, he can't be white. You think God's black? He's, he's brown, but he ain't black. You, you think that God, uh, well, Jesus, God has no color because he doesn't have flesh and bones. So people try to get this image of God, but God is bigger than anything you can imagine. And we need to elevate our view of God. We need to get a... a, a we, we, we need to get a revelation of how awesome God is. And I know there are people here who really want to. The title of the message, Do You See the Lord? Well, Isaiah saw the Lord. And I know there are people in this room that really want to see God more clearly. And, and here's the reality. If Isaiah could see the Lord, so can we. Because God doesn't play favorites. And in Acts 10, 34, the Bible says, I see very clearly that God doesn't show partiality. If God would reveal himself to Isaiah, then God will reveal himself to us. But we got to do what others did so we can have what they had. We got to put ourselves in a position of blessing to be blessed. So in chapter 6, we see that Isaiah is telling us about this vision that he had. Now, here's a little backdrop on Isaiah. And if you came to Wednesday night Bible study, uh, we, we got some context on Isaiah. But uh, just real quick, uh, Isaiah, or, or, I'm going to give you some backdrop on Uzziah to see who he is um, but before we get into the message. Uzziah, the king here, he was made the king when he was 16 years old. Now, obviously, in our day and age, that's not a good age to be king, no matter how, how many 16-year-olds think it is, okay? But Uzziah was made king when he was 16 years old, and he reigned for 52 years. And during his 52 years, Judah had massive prosperity. They kept the Philistines beat down. Uh, he established a strong military. Um, he, he, he actually took land in Philistine territory, established set settlements in their country, uh, developed the strongest military they'd ever had. He also had many domestic projects. His name was so famous, they talked about his leadership in Egypt. His name was on the lips of people everywhere. 
Uzziah was a national hero. The nation looked to him, depended on him, trusted in him. Uh, his death was viewed as a national tragedy, and the people were scared for their future. I can remember right before Gail died, we took her to a faith clinic in Mexico. And so she died in 2006, so probably 2005. Uh, we were in Mexico at a faith clinic, and El Papa died. Anybody know who El Papa is? The Pope. The Pope died, and I never saw it. Let me tell you something. Mex Mexican people that live in Mexico, was the place I was in, they were grieving. I'm talking about everyone. They were in hours. There were just people walking in black robes with faces covered, weeping, uh, screaming, Saint Him Now. The whole country was in national mourning. There was no TV on for a week. No, no other TV other than live from the Vatican. The great Pope, St. John Paul II, is dead. And I never have seen national grief like that. I was three months old when... When, when John F. Kennedy got shot, uh, I was five years old when Dr. King got shot. Uh, I don't even know when uh, that other Kennedy boy got shot. He probably got shot in, uh, right, right within a year of Dr. King being killed, two months, within a year. Uh, so, I, I mean, I was five when that, so I wasn't alive for those. Uh, oh, well, I did see Elvis. I was 13 when Elvis died, uh, and there was a little bit of mourning about that. I don't know if you remember Carol Walters lived around the corner from us. I, I knew she'd be crying. I, I went over to her, to her house. She was sitting in her garage holding a picture of Elvis crying. I'm like, it ain't that deep. <sighs> White people. The, oh, Paul Walker died. Every, every white girl under 17 put on her Facebook, I can't breathe. Paul Walker's dead. That's the Fast and the Furious star. He's great. But people get in grief uh, in great times of transition. Say transition. And Israel was in this massive, or Judah was in this massive time of transition. They didn't know what was going to happen. As a nation, we're in a massive time of transition. I heard Don Lemon say last night that oppression in America is over, racism in America is over, and hope is here. So praise the Lord. Write that down, Don Lemon said it, CNN, live, talking to Chris Cuomo. Uh, so we're in, a we're in a great time of transition. Uh, fact check me on it. If you don't believe me, I'll send you the clip. Uh, we we're in a great time of transition nationally, as were the people of God then. Personally, I haven't lived a, a minute of my life for 19 years uh, without Jake living in my home. Uh, he spent, his, he spent his last night in my house last night. We're going to turn this room into a factory. I don't know what we're going to make. Who knows? Uh, he's like, you're going to change my room. My stuff's in there. Transit, say transition. Let me tell you about transition. People don't like it. The unknown. People are, people are you know, hopefully hopeful. Uh, and we talked about it in... The, uh, in, in my office this morning with the deacons and the elders and uh, listen whatever you go through in life and wherever you are right now in life here's one thing I want you to always be filled with hope because if you can say with the hymn writer my hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then none of the rest of this stuff matters. We ought to have hope in God. They, they, Isaiah's hope was shook uh, because he, he loved his king and his king was gone um, and, and, and he, he, he's going through. So let's, let's look uh, at some Bible this morning and we'll get out of here. In 2 Chronicles 26, 1, talking about Uzziah, the Bible said, And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Verse 3 says Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Look at that in verse 4. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is who Uzziah was. In verse 5 it says, He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now, if we really were all in tune with God, if we were all saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, if we all already had made out our tithe check and were ready to give, give God thanks, ask God for forgiveness, and go home, we could just look at the last uh, few words in verse 5 and, and learn this lesson. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. You want to prosper? God shows you a way to prosper. In this verse, in 2 Chronicles 26, 16, the Bible says, But, well, here it comes, transition. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up. It's what happens to people. When you get on the wind inside, you get swole up in your mind. You start thinking, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. Okay. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up. To his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, I'm not going to preach this whole thing to you this morning uh, with being here till tonight. But he was not trying to do something bad. He wanted to go into the temple and do something good. He wanted to burn incense to the Lord. He wanted to give a sacrifice. He wanted to give an offering. He wanted to, to do something for God. Listen. But there is a right way and a wrong way. And everybody can't do what everybody wants to do, even if they call it trying to honor God. So he goes into the altar. He's going to burn incense on the altar of the Lord. Now, here's the problem with that. God had already said that the only people that could do that were Levites, and he was not. The only people that could do that were priests, and he was not. But he, and, and, and I get this all the time. I've been hearing this all the time. Somebody come to my office, life ain't going right, and they'll, they'll ask, you know, I'll find out what's going on, and then I'll tell them, well, have you considered uh, stop doing this? Well, the Lord knows my heart. And God sees my heart. And you're judging me. Let me tell you about the God of the Bible. Not only does he see your heart, but he put parameters on your activity. So don't, well, man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. God does look on the heart. What that means is when, when you're pretending to be good and you're really dirty, he sees your dirty heart. Oh, read the Bible. 
or when, 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 when you're saying it one way, but you're feeling it a different way, he sees your heart. But the God who sees our heart also put parameters on our actions. So don't think the God of the Bible just accepts anything because you meant it the right way in your heart. Uzziah meant this the right way in his heart. But listen to what happened. It doesn't say he went into the temple to desecrate the temple. It doesn't say he went into the temple to vandalize the temple. It doesn't say he went in there to spray graffiti. What do they call Oh, to tag it. Y'all know what tagging is? That's when they ride by and spray paint. He didn't go in there to, to do any of that. He went in there to burn in. He wanted to offer to the Lord. Verse 17, so Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, I love this, hyphen, valiant men. Now, here's the reality. The king had total authority in this day and age. He was judge, jury, and executioner. If you spoke to the king without being spoken to first, you violated martial law. He have you killed even his wife. He, the, the, there, was, there was just coming against the king uh, was then what it still is in most Muslim countries today. The, do you know if you say something bad about a dictator in today's world in Pakistan, they have you killed? You're gay in Pakistan, they have you killed. I mean, they just have you killed for any kind of reason. Um, and and the, these people, I, I love how it says valiant men because Azariah, he's the priest. So he's like, uh-uh, we ain't having this Uzziah up in there. He's up in there touching the, touching the incense bowl. This, this, God's not for that. I make my stand with the Lord, live or die. And how many of y'all know, if you ever choose to make your stand with the Lord, live or die, you're probably going to be standing alone. Oh, it's a different message for a different time. But God blessed Azariah, uh, not just with 80 priests, uh, but valiant men. They're like, hey, we'll go in there and help you throw him out. Okay, well, let's see how this works out. Verse 18, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Now, here, here's the deal. If you only know half Scripture, there's nothing more dangerous than somebody knows a little bit of Scripture. A little bit of knowledge is dangerous in any capacity. But somebody could have said, well, you supposed to obey the law. Well, Uzziah was the law. But whose law were these priests concerned with? God's law. God's law is bigger than man's law. Listen, in America, since 1973, man's law says we can kill millions of babies in the womb every year. Oh, we got quiet about that. Man's law, birthed by this one woman's vision of eugenics, this one woman, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who openly said it and declared it that she wanted to eradicate blackness from America, and if we put free abortion clinics in every city in America, we can kill off all the black people before they outnumber us. Check the facts. More black people have been murdered through abortion in America in the last 10 years than have been born. People get stiff when you start telling the truth. So if we want to obey man's law, just run on off and, 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 and kill a baby. 
But if we want to obey God's law that says thou shalt not murder, then you got to decide. Where you, where you going to cut your teeth, people? Where where you going to get on this plan? You going to stick with the king? Well, the king can do what he wants to do. No, God, God's, got, God's got parameters on the king's activity, and it's not just about his heart. They said, you can't do this. This ain't for you to do. And then look, look on the screen. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord. I want to tell you something. That's a whole lot of mouth to put up on the king. But what, what, what did God say? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Listen, the power of the Holy Ghost is not so you can have spiritual gifts. The power of the Holy Ghost is so you can have boldness. That word power in the Greek is dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite, explosively bold power to do and to say all that God called you to do and to say. And, man, that's sure doing it right here in verse 18. In verse 19, it says, Then Uzziah became furious. Well, you withstand the government. They're going to be mad at you. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest. Okay, now, just check this out because you, you, you got you to gotta try to figure some things out. I'm not saying read into the Bible, but I'm just saying use, use some sense. Uzziah's furious. He's got a censer, which is a, which is a bowl that you burn incense in, hanging off a chain. He, he's furious. He's just been told by people that are under his kingship. To get out, he's got this bowl in his hand. Guess what a furious person with a bowl in their hand is about to do with that bowl when, when, when they get mad and you tell them to get out? Oh, he's about to throw it. He's about to break, the, he's about to break this bowl. But God, God, you can't sneak up on God. And while he was angry with the priests, that's a whole different preaching message right there. They're just telling him what the Word of God said, but who did he get mad at? Ah, don't, 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 don't be jealous of uh, the pastor's role in life. You don't want this. Tell people the truth and they get mad at you. Shouldn't get mad. And that's why preachers say stuff like, I'm just the mailman. Nobody ever got mad at the mailman because the light bill went up. Not his fault. He's just, he's just delivering the mail. They're just in there delivering the mail, but he gets mad at them. Same way folk get mad at me. But here's what happened. Because God knew he was going to throw that bowl. Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. So what happens to Uzziah? Great king, been a king since he's 16 years old, reigned for 52 years. No king had ever reigned that long before. He did what was right inside the Lord. God prospered him. Now all of a sudden, he's feeling himself. He wants to do something special for God, but he steps outside of the confines of God's parameters. Going to do it his way because God knows his heart. I've had people tell me that we're shacking up. Well, God sees us as married because he knows we love each other. No, that's not how it works. Let me keep moving. Try to get everybody to quit today. So he's in there. He's trying to do something good for God. And look at these priests come and tell him he's wrong. Who are they? Who are they to tell me I'm wrong? Uh, they, they, they ain't perfect. Any, anybody think that any of those priests were perfect? They had issues in their own life, but they sure stood up and told him, God said, you can't do this. And they quoted to him reason why. Out of the word. <laughs> You're not a Levite. You're not consecrated for this. this you, you ain't supposed to be in here. Get out. And you're not going to have any glory from God. He didn't leave when they told him to leave. That's his mistake. Shouldn't have went in there in the first place. But when the man of God corrected him, he should have took correction. 
Didn't take correction. Should have repented right away, but he didn't, so leprosy broke out on his forehead. And the priests were the first ones to see it. Verse 20 says, And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Woo! I like what Dr. Lindsay said uh, when he was pastor in the First Baptist Church of downtown Jacksonville. He said at a pastor's conference one time, he said, Bad church folk um, come in two major varieties, weeds and stumps. He says, weeds just die off on their own, or you can just pull them up and throw them away. He said, but stumps, they try to stick around, and you got to blast them out. So he said, every pastor need, 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 needs to be able to pull up weeds, kick over weeds, and blast out stumps. Uh, hey, dude was wrong. They told him he was wrong. They told him to get out. He wouldn't get out. He becomes leprous, and he still won't get out, so they what? Thrust him out. Some you, some you hold the door for, some you put your foot on. Uh, hey, read the Bible for yourself. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Verse 21, King Uzziah, listen to this, was a leper until the day of his death. Now, here's what's wild. He repented after that. But he still had leprosy. You realize sin has consequences? Go ahead, drink. I'm not advocating it, but if you drink and drive and you get in a car wreck and, and, and you get your leg cut off, don't pray for God to grow you back another leg. That's not going to happen. Sin has consequences. And even you repent and get right with God, some of those consequences endure. Isaiah, or Uzziah had leprosy to the day he died. Verse 21 goes on to say, He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off. From the house of the Lord. Then Jotham his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. Now get this. He still served 10 more years as the king. This happened to him 42 years in. He violated God's law. He got run out by the priest and 80 dudes backing him. Got leprosy. But he still stayed the king for 10 more years the people still loved him, and God still used him. When did people begin to decide that an imperfect leader is not worth following? Anybody believe Donald Trump was imperfect? Absolutely. Anybody believe Joe Biden's imperfect? Absolutely. Anybody believe Billy Graham is imperfect? Absolutely. Anybody believe Bishop Jakes is imperfect? Absolutely. Anybody? Uh, Pastor Scott, you, everybody. This man had leprosy, and God still used him. And that was, one, that was about the worst thing you could have back then. You couldn't even get among the people. But the people still loved him. Isaiah still loved him. And when he died, Isaiah's depressed. Isaiah's sad. And, and as Isaiah's sitting there wondering about his future, weeping, he, he sees this empty throne. He's in the throne room of his king, and his king is not... On the throne. Oh, I just got a bad picture. I'm not going to walk in your room tonight, son, and, and, and see that you're not laying there and just lay on the floor and weep like Isaiah did. But that, that's, that's what's going on in, in, in Isaiah's mind. He, he goes to where the king is supposed to be sitting, but the king's not there anymore. And he feels like hope is lost because his king is dead. Listen, no matter what type of change you go through, 
that doesn't make hope lost if your hope is in God. Because God don't leave his throne. So through, through his tears and, 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 and his agony, another throne begins to appear in a vision. It's the throne of God, and God's sitting on it, and God's glory fills the place. And, and this is what we need on a daily basis is to witness the glory of God, to get an image that God is on his throne no matter what's going on in your life, no matter going through a bankruptcy, going through a divorce, going through loss of life, going through transition of job, going through people abandoning you, whatever is going on in your life, you need to understand the throne in heaven is established. And God is always there. You can't, you can't look to the White House and, 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 and uh, President Obama doesn't live in the White House anymore. Soon Donald Trump won't live in the White House anymore. One day Joe Biden won't live in the White House anymore. But God's always going to live in heaven. And he'll always be on his throne. So the, 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 you've you got to stop believing that transition is the end of anything. Sometimes people act like they think that all is lost. All is not lost when God is still on the throne. And our greatest need is to get a clear vision of God on his throne. In verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, as, as I already said, he saw the Lord uh, on his throne. Verse 2 says, above it stood seraphim. This is angels. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Okay, so now here's a little theology for you. Can angels fly? Do all angels have six wings? Mm, think about it. Study it out. But, but these, could, these did and these could fly. Verse 3 says, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you know what your answer ought to be? You know what my answer is going to be? Because when, when, the biggest decision I have to make every day of my life, every day, every day, day in, day out, the biggest decision. Do you know what the hardest decision I'm faced with every day of my life is, Nina? I've told you this before. She's, she's stuck. Her nephew's leaving tonight, so she's in her minds. What's the biggest decision we got to come up with at the end of every day, boys? Then she finally said it. Where to eat. That, 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 that's the toughest decision I got to make. Because when you got to eat at a different restaurant every night, you're like, well, we ate there, you know, five times already this month. Well, we're going to eat somewhere again. Um, have, have being faced with these decisions being faced with what's going on, no matter what you got going on, you don't, you don't need to look and think um, because something's changed that God has changed. I'm going to have a whole different decision. Tomorrow night, we're not going to have the same conversation we've had every night for, for years. My conversation is, hey, guys, where y'all want to eat? That, ain't gonna, that question ain't going to be addressed to y'all tomorrow. It's going to be addressed, hey, Seth, where you want to eat? I'm voting, on, I'm voting on the pub is what I'm voting on, but we'll, we'll figure it out by, between now and tomorrow night. No matter how much transition happens, no matter what life brings your way, no matter how much change happens in your life, will you still see God holy and exalted on his throne? Because if you start looking at the natural, you get your eyes off the eternal. Verse 4 says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, 
for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. What, what, what's Isaiah saying? Same thing every other human being in the history of the Bible ever said and did when they got a clear picture of God. When they saw how great God was, they realized how whack they were. When they saw how clean God was, they realized how dirty they were. When they stopped comparing themselves to other people and they saw how exalted God was, they realized, I got issues. And Isaiah's like, well, I'm filthy. I'm unclean. I dwell in the midst of people that are unclean. He said, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, he went in there to see one king, but he ended up seeing a different king. And I want you to start looking for the right king. I want you to start focusing on the right thing. And, and, and see, because here's the reality. If you are worried about uh, Vicky. If you want to serve in food and clothing ministry, listen, Vicky's going to be at her table, right? And if you, if you put something on her table that ain't supposed to, she's going to be like, take that over there. This, I'm doing this over here. And, and if you're, hmm, I think she got a little bit of an attitude. You get, if you get into food and clothing and, and, and you try to go up in there where, 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 where they're making boxes and stacking boxes, Hey, don't mess around getting Joyce's way. Ain't that right? Don't mess around. Go in there. She's going to let you know. Go, go talk to your deacon. I got this over here. And you could be thinking, hmm, five foot nothing. I wonder if I wonder if she even loves the look. And you start judging other people, critiquing other people, putting your eyes on other people, wondering what's wrong with other people. You are not getting a revelation of God because if you ever get your eyes on God, you're going to see that he's high and you're going to get low. Isaiah saw the right king, the Lord of hosts. And he said, oh, I'm undone. What's he saying? I got, I got issues. I'm sinful. And I live around sinful folk. And God is here. Mm. It's crazy how people clean up when Big Mama comes over. It's crazy how people adjust their, their, their tone of voice when, when the pastor is in the room. What adjustment do you make when God shows up? I'm going to answer the question for you. I want you to think about it. what adjustment do you make when God shows up? I'm going to give you the answer for 99.9% .9 of the people in the world. None, because you don't see God show up. When's the last time you saw God show up in your house, at your job, in your bedroom, in your car? When's the last time you got a clear picture of how great God is? If you do, it'll adjust your posture, it'll, voice, it'll adjust your actions, and it'll make you see that repentance, personal repentance. See, here, here's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to want Elder Jimmy to repent. I had people tell me. He, he preached a message. I had people tell me. Uh, Elder Jimmy was talking about wanting to run people over with his truck and just kill everybody on the road and slam into the back of them and run. I'm not sure that's the kind of elder. What did, I mean, is, is he really like that? Maybe. Or maybe he was just 
being demonstrative to prove a point. But here's the trick of the devil. When you get your eyes on what somebody else is doing wrong, that's obvious that you don't see the Lord. If you are ever noticing what someone else is doing wrong, you are not seeing the Lord. Because if you see the Lord, you're going to understand he sees you. And when you understand he sees you, well, now it's time to repent. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Isaiah said, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm undone. And I came to tell you today, undone is not a bad place to be. Undone puts you on, puts you on the verge of getting done. He said, I'm all messed up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be here with, with the king. And I love what Charles Spurgeon uh, said. He said, God will never do anything with you until he has, first of all, completely undone you. You can't even be used by God until you realize how undone you are. You can't even begin to become the person God wants you to be until you get a clear revelation of how stank you is. Who you calling stank? You and me and Isaiah and everybody else that ever lived when you compare next to a holy God. God won't do anything with you until he's first undone you. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Now this is a vision and this is symbolic. I'm not going to burn a bunch of coals and have you come up to the altar and let me put a hot coal in your mouth and tell you that your sin is purged. This is symbolism of what needs to happen so that you can move forward once you see who God is. Once you see who God is, you need to repent what Isaiah is saying, he's like, I ain't where I need to be. I need to change. And then you need to get your sin dealt with. Now, if you read the Bible, you find out this is just symbolic, and God has not decided to deal with our sin by hot coals off an altar with an angel grabbing a pair of tongs and putting it on your mouth. God dealt with our sin at the cross of Calvary. But you need to make sure the blood has been applied to your life. He said, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. I want to tell you something. If your sin isn't purged, if your iniquity is not taken away, you, you, it, it, you're not going to be able to be who God wants you to be. You can want to burn incense all you want. You can, you can say your heart is toward God all you want. But until you get your life and your mind right and your actions right and your activity right, God is not going to take you to a higher revelation. So, this is symbolism, but the point is Isaiah needed cleansing from his sin. I want you to understand in, in, this, in this vision, God did all the work. God did all the work. Isaiah didn't have to go find tongs. God had his angel get the tongs. Isaiah didn't have to pick a coal up off the altar. God had his angel pick up a coal off the altar. Isaiah didn't have to put the coal on his mouth. The angel, I want you to know all of the cleansing that we need God has already done all the work. You don't have to hang on a cross and be crucified for your sin. You don't have to walk around with the shame and stain of sin in your life. You don't have to walk around head hung down feeling not good enough for God. God has already made a way for your sin to be completely dealt with. You just got to be willing to deal with it. 
God's done everything we need to be forgiven. He paid for our sin on the cross. He told us if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've been telling you all this for years, and I'm going to tell it to you today, and we're going to get out of here. Every person in this room is only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. But as long as you want to hold on to your bitterness, your anger, your hurt, your ideology, your race, your politics, your creed, your sense of justice, your necessity of importance, your need to be heard, as long as you want to hold on to all those things, you're not going to get purged. You're going to stay where you are. One prayer away from being perfectly right with God, but you got to be willing to come to God and say, God, I'm going to stop worrying about everybody else and I'm going to let you do business with me today. I wonder if you're smart enough to know you're undone. I wonder if you're smart enough to know in the presence of a holy God that you don't stack up. You're worrying about who else don't stack up. Do you stack up? One prayer away from being perfectly right with God, but you got to be willing to admit some things. If you're here and you're unsaved, you got to be willing to admit you need Jesus as your Savior. And the Bible says if you're seeking with all your heart, you'll find Him. If you're here and you're unsaved, you ought to get saved today. You don't have to walk us out, pray with me. You just got to seek the Lord. You got to cry out to God, ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. If you're here and you're saved, you're just one prayer away from being totally right with God too. But you got to let go of you and all the things that you think makes you you. See, it's only when I let go of who I am that I can grab a hold of who He is. That's why Paul said, I count everything as lost that I might win Christ. He gave up on everything just to grab hold of God. Verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. This is when you know you really begin to step into God's plan for your life. When you stop looking at everything going on around you and you see God, when you stop looking at how other people are living and you realize how bad you're living. When you stop living how bad you're living and you let God deal with your sin and clean you up. Then you're ready for this part. You're ready to walk forward with God. Some of you have been wanting to walk forward with God for a long time, but you hadn't you gone through your steps. You haven't gotten to the place. You just wanted to jump through. You wanted to go from A to J without going all the way through the rest of the steps. But it doesn't work that way in God's kingdom. It wasn't until Isaiah realized who God was and dealt with his own sin. It wasn't until Isaiah stopped looking at everything that he thought was important and got a picture of who God really is. Well, I want this, and I want that, and I think this, and I think that. Selfish, self-important, grandiose. See who God really is. Let him deal with who you really are. And then when God says who, who, who will go for us, you say, send me, he'll send you. Some of you wonder why God hadn't done the big thing in your life you've been believing him for. 
you got to go through your process the same way Isaiah went through his process. Isaiah wasn't ready to be all God wanted him to be until something big changed in his life. Something had to change so he could see his blind spots. He lost his king. He lost his identity. He lost hope in his nation. He was looking in the wrong place for his deliverance. He was looking in the wrong place for his stability. Something has to change. I don't know what's going to have to change for you in your life. Who's going to have to die? Who in your family is going to have to die for you to get your eyes on God? How many car wrecks are you going to need to be in for you to finally give in to God? How much tragedy are you going to have to suffer in your life before you finally say, have thine own way, Lord? You think God can't get your attention? You're way wrong. You think, I've had people tell me, I don't care how much God punishes me, I'm going to do me. Because you don't realize how much stronger he is than you. God's going to get your attention. Who has to die? What has to die? What do you have to give up to embrace God? Oh, it's easy. It's easy for people to say amen when the preacher says white people got to let go of their white supremacy and their whiteness and their racism to fully be who God wants them to be, and that's true. But people recoil when the preacher say black people got to let go of their blackness and their identity of their culture and they people. It's easy when, 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 when one crowd gets picked on. But people recoil when, when the preacher says Hispanics got to be more Christian than they are Hispanic. But me familiar. Who is your family? Who is your God? Who are your people? God is looking for a unified church to love each other in spite of each other, to step across all dividing lines and say, as imperfect as we are, we are the family of God. Get a picture of who God is. Let him deal with you. Deal with him. So when God has something for you to do, you raise your hand he'll move you forward read the rest of Isaiah's story and see what God did with the life of a man who was willing to take his eyes off other things and other people and focus on God and be that person pray with me God thank you for your word thank you God for your process of taking us from where we are to where you want us to be God I pray for everyone in this room Lord that Whatever it is that we've had as our focus, that we would let it go and focus on you. You alone are worthy, God, of our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. So, God, I pray today for every person who's unsaved, I pray you save them. God, for those who are saved, I pray that you'd let us fall more in love with you than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. 
Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.